Hello, dear listeners. This is the Move Nourish podcast video edition. So this is what we look like <laughs> when we're talking to you. So welcome to the very first video podcast of the Move Nourish podcast. We are going to take a break from our series on understanding stress. Today we have more episodes for you on that, but we're going to take a little bit of a break and talk about a really cool metaphor that mostly Forrest came up with, but I also helped organize the thinking, I would hope, around understanding digestion and the digestive system. So some of you may have heard of this metaphor metaphor of digestive fire. So we're going to start there. But we are also, we've fleshed out our thinking as a way of helping you access and understand and organize your thinking around the elements of good foundational digestion, which as I feel like we don't need to tell you is crucial to overall health. And one of what I'm sure Forrest would agree is like one of the pillars, one of the absolute non-negotiable pillars of of good foundational health. So what, what bonded us together is like, yeah. Movement, nervous system, digestion. Right. Yeah. This like yeah. trifecta. Yeah. I feel like so much of our work, just as a complete side note, just so much of our work, I feel like I work on those three body systems mm. almost exclusively. Like occasionally, right, we'll, we'll have someone need something else where it's like they'll need a kidney tea. We'll need to work on the renal system. We'll need to work on skin. We'll need to work on the lymphatic system, of course. But the core of how we work is like, supporting and correcting imbalances in the digestive system, the nervous system. Like it really doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> like it's pretty much, if you have really good pillars around that, you're, you've done 60% of the work. I feel like Yeah. as an estimate. Yeah. So let's talk about digestive fire, which is a metaphor that some of our listeners may have heard about, but maybe not. Let's assume that they haven't. Digestive fire is a metaphor that herbalists use and it's not ours, right? It's very, very, it's a very old way of, uh, and traditional way of understanding and accessing the ideas around digestive vitality and how herbalists work with correcting issues with digestion. Right. Um, like in, what in, is digestive fire? In Ayurveda, they call it Agni. And mm. in Greek medicine, it was called Ignis, both of which just mm. literally mean fire. Um, yeah, interesting. Those, yeah, those um, but sound like they have you, a common etymology. When you think about in, in those traditional systems, when that's like when fire is brought up medically, like the first place the brain goes, oh, we're talking about digestion, mm-hmm. because there was this idea of this furnace that is, mm-hmm. or, or I like to think of it as a cauldron that is boiling. <laughs> yeah. And you're you're taking your food and throwing it in the cauldron and you're making a different kind of soup. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kime. You're making kime soup. You're making kime soup, which is, yeah, it's gross if we think about it too literally of like... Don't think about it too hard, dear listener. out of undigested food, but but we are, our digestive system is taking what we've already eaten and is processing it into something that we can absorb and use to build our bodies, mm-hmm. to use for our body processes. It's really- And when that doesn't mm-hmm. happen, right, we run into all manner of digestive yes. problems, right? So when that's, when those fires aren't stoked, it would be like trying to cook food over a fire that's not hot enough to cook the food. Yes. And so that's, and that's just connecting think- that to like why this matters. I think that's where that metaphor historically is like the the boiling cauldron or I think in Chinese medicine there's pictures that are a little like wooden bamboo steamer for digestion and mm-hmm. the idea is that if you're not having enough of that heat to come up and steam or boil the processes then you're not going to be digesting that food. And getting everything that you can out of it or getting it to whatever the shell to crack yeah. open so you can actually get at what's inside it. So 
what are the pillars? There are three pillars of digestive fire traditionally, right? So these are the three physiological processes that even before we understood them in modern medical language, they were understood as these three processes that together, like Captain Planet style form, sorry, that was a very millennial joke. They like Captain Planet style form digest what we understand as digestive fire. So these are the things that you need in order to have that vitality. So what are they, Forrest? I always start with stomach acid. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I think that if we're looking at modern ways of thinking about the digestive fire, yeah, we have stomach acid, we've got bile, and mm-hmm. we've got pancreatic enzymes. And so yeah. even in traditional cultures that didn't have those terminologies, they thought about like we've always had a thought of we have protein, we've got fat, we've got carbs. Those food groups existed before their language describing their medical language yeah and Mm -hmm. there's a sense of there's folks that have weakness in digestive fire for protein or for fat or for carbs and there's different capacities and the ability to digest those major food groups Mm -hmm. so thinking about like starting with stomach acid for example and i think this is a tricky one for folks and we won't get into this too much here because we don't have time because that is not the subject of today's episode but I think there's a lot of misconception around people thinking that they have issues because they have too much stomach acid. Mm-hmm. And we are, we are frequently having to have the conversation that like actually oftentimes, more often than you maybe think, or you would, you would maybe want to believe the problem is not enough stomach acid, right. which can be caused by any manner of things, right? We won't go into the causality of these pieces today, but at some point or another in our adult lives, most of us are going to struggle with digestive vitality at some point, first because of an illness, because of a period of stress, because of an autoimmune Like, there's a million different reasons. But at some point, we're all going to struggle. And one of the things that a lot of people struggle with is inadequate stomach it's acid. Inadequate, yeah. And I want to pause for one second and rewind because you brought up a really cool term is digestive vitality. And right. I, I really like that term. It's a term that yeah. can almost be a synonym for digestive fire. But right. in the in the course of this podcast, we'll look at teasing out maybe some other elements of digestive vitality besides fire. Mm-hmm. Besides the idea of fire, yep. So adequate stomach acid, that's one of the biggest pillars. We'll talk in a second about like our favorite herbs to address some of these yeah. pieces. But for right now, know that adequate stomach acid is particularly important right it's important for all of your micronutrients or for your macronutrients but it's particularly important for, to help you start the process of digesting proteins right and proteins. because it, within mm-hmm. the secretion of stomach acid is also the enzymes that the stomach secretes to help you start breaking down proteins yes. so Operational stomach acid is very metabolically costly costly so it's like there are a lot of ways that that can yeah. go wrong what were you about yeah. to say it's also super crucial for b12 digestion. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Okay. So adequate stomach acid being the first one. Super the second important. one, I'm just sort of like traveling through the digestive tract here, mm-hmm. would be adequate, robust bile secretion, right? Yeah. Bile, dear listener, just like the five second version of that is bile is made by your liver stored and secreted by your gallbladder. And it is the thing that helps you emulsify in order to digest your fats specifically. Yeah. So you think about trying to wash your hands when, after you've mm-hmm. had grease on them? without soap yeah without and how soap yeah impossible that is and then you yes. get a little bit of soap and mm-hmm. magically they wash off that yep. is what bile is doing in our digestive system mm-hmm. helps 
open those molecules up so that you can actually make use of them and break them down further. Yeah, that's a great metaphor. So again, we'll talk about categories of herbs that are used to address this in a second. But one thing I think just to say in general is that herbs are really good at interfacing with the digestive system and they can do things that drugs cannot. Um, which is really cool. So we'll talk about that. So including increasing stomach acid, including increasing um, bile secretion and helping to uh, oil those uh, those pathways so that you are not only making enough, but you are storing it in a way that is helpful. And then you are secreting it in a way that is most helpful. So adequate Sorry, I'm a teacher. This we're we're summarizing as we go along here. Adequate stomach acid, adequate bile secretion, and then the third one is adequate secretion and creation and secretion of your pancreatic enzymes. Yeah, you obviously, few, come through your pancreas. Yes, you brush border enzymes too, but our enzymes yeah. in general. Yeah, it, yeah, enzymes, enzymatic activity in general, if you will, if you want to say that. So, and so we the enzymes are what actually in the small intestine start to cleave those pieces apart. We have. Mm-hmm. certain enzymes in the stomach that are cleaving starting the cleaving under acid and then mm-hmm. most of the magic is happening in the small intestine mm-hmm. yes and so there's an enzyme at least or i mean there's there's more but if you think about them in three big chunks there is an enzyme for each of your macronutrient categories and the pancreas is responsible for a lot of those although again this a lot of some of the protein stuff does happen in the stomach a little bit earlier on in the digestive process so so these three these three things i think represent the workhorses of digestive fire i think that Mm -hmm. digestive fire also describes just the process of appetite and mm. the hormonal process yeah. of preparing vigor in the, that way. Yeah. the vigor mm-hmm. of the digestive system. It describes mm-hmm. the movement of blood into the gut mm. to prepare for these processes. Mm. So overall, it's like it's everything that has to come together in the guts and the stomach to then start this process of breaking things down. Yeah, so that is definitely like... We could talk just about that for an hour. Like we right. could talk just about these three pillars for an hour. What our perp- what our intention is for this episode and the following episode is to give you a super brief overview and again give you a window into this metaphor that we are using to shape our thinking around as practitioners around like the different ways in which the digestive system can get imbalanced. And so digestive fire is again like sixty percent of that work is assessing and increasing and supporting digestive fire. Yes. Like that's that. I mean, if you do nothing else besides that you've already done like a a grand majority of the work in most cases but we do also have these other elemental ways of thinking about digestion so we've talked about fire we're going to talk about air and what air represents and what earth and water represent and again these are metaphors to help you access and organize your thinking around the different ways that we can support our digestion and the different elements of good digestion but again digestive fire is the biggest one and then different way that we can bring plants in. I think that digestion yes. mm-hmm. is this amazing place where like our relationship with plants is evolutionary when it comes to digestion. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. are evolutionarily, we sacrificed a lot of hardware in our guts mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. for energy savings that help yeah. with things like this. They're mm-hmm. very costly. Our big brains, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. we had to, we basically, we outsourced our digestion And one of the Mm -hmm. really cool places that happened is in cooking. It just literally... Sure. We're Mm -hmm. one of the... We We just literally made something else heat up our food for us. Yeah. (laughs) We digest our food. For sure. Yeah, there's a really good book, if if you're interested, dear listener, on that called Cooked, How Cooking Made Us Human by, I want to say it's Richard Wrangham. 
but I'll yeah. double check. That's yeah. Right. And that is the hypothesis that cooking is what made us human and cooking is what facilitated the leaps forward in evolution that were precipitated by externalizing that energy, high energy cost of digesting yes. you know, like tubers and like just chewing, just like the amount of day, hours a day, like our primate eat relatives spend like chewing. A, yeah. We can eat tubers like a gorilla. We can eat steak like a lion. Meat like we a, like, mm-hmm. we became this like broad spectrum omnivore by saying, I don't, I don't have the ability the to digest that. Let me just uh, come up with a way to help me digest it. Right, and, and then the other big one, which we won't get into, is how we basically created a m- relationship with all of these bacteria that did the rest of the work, yes. but we're not going to we'll get, get into that yeah, right we'll now. we'll get into that yeah. soon, soon. <laughs> Later, yeah. But, so, but plants are the other thing that, like, and that's what, we'll get to, what we're about to get to is, like, mm-hmm. the plants, a lot of them are, we can categorize them even by taste, that help this process along, that build our digestive vitality, and these are some of the mm-hmm. plants, probably the earliest use of plants. yes. Mm-hmm. In. So interesting. I think before we get into the plants, because I think there'll be some overlap, we yeah. should talk about air and then we can talk about plants that have, because again, the other cool thing about plants, dear listeners, is that makes them different from drugs is that, and, and it's, it requires a little bit of a change in your thinking around remedies and medicine is that a plant right. is very rarely just, I mean, never just one thing, right? So like a plant that is good for this is is it is used for this and is really well equipped for this yeah of course but it's also going to be it's also going to have it's it's a it's a personality right it's a just like a person doesn't have just one aspect of their personality plants are this what our what i heard thomas easily our, our my teacher once call a slurry of constituents right mm-hmm. and so they are they're this very the deeply complex thing so there's right. a lot of overlap and we can categorize them in order to help our thinking but that doesn't make them separate. And so we can't use them the same way you use drugs for this one physiological process. Let's talk about air for a couple of minutes yeah. and what the element of air represents as it relates to digestion. Yeah, so I think air is movement. And so we have this mm. digestive tract. And in order for all this great fire process to take place, we've got to move the food from here all yes. the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so air is the process of moving things in a timely manner through the yep. digestive Coordinated. system mm-hmm. and churning keeping mm. things moving them like this in yeah. all of those places you can think i'm doing this because that represents the like muscular contractions and they're very they're coordinated and they're this beautiful symphony yeah. when they're the, when they're in, working optimally in the cauldron it's stirring the pot aha mm-hmm. yeah Exactly. So motility might be, gut motility might be yeah. a, a word that people have heard around that. Peristalsis, migrating motor complex, like that might, those might be words. And and so again, if you think about the example of constipation, right, that's mm-hmm. an example of that not happening for various reasons. There's obviously right. quite a few reasons that that can happen. But overall, the overarching, right, like the end result of that is that stuff is not being pushed out and moved <clears throat> along and swept along in the way that it needs to be in order to like keep keep everything moving and when that doesn't happen you also run into lots of problems so this element of air we think about like air thinking about i don't know what i think about is like a breeze running through a house when you have the front door and the back door open and like the breeze is like flushing the fresh air through the house and And that is the metaphor that or like the visual that comes to my mind and like a like fire needs air to build itself like yes Yes. All the fire processes in digestion need air. We think mm-hmm. we can. They don't create, work as well without. We can mm-hmm. create pancreatic enzymes and in the in the pancreas and bile in the liver, 
but we need air, we need movement to be able to squirt them into the digest. They need to be able to move where they are yes. going to act on the food. Exactly. Yeah. And it's if you can't, you if you have the resources and you can't get them where they need to go or the things are not moving through yeah. that you can apply them to, then, you know, all the resources in the world aren't like necessarily going to help you if they're not, yes. you're not able to get them to the right place. So you're not able to get what needs them to the right place. Absolutely. Exactly. So I feel like that's a pretty straightforward way of thinking about it, right? That's, or that one is a little bit more intuitive, if you will. It's not quite as complex as the other one. So again, there's some overlap in these in the herbs that we're going to talk about some of our favorites and just a few examples because the world of digestive is so broad like digestive system herbs is like so rich and so broad because of the foundational importance of it those are the first herbs that humans probably used right and we've been using them for the longest but it's really hard i think air and fire are really hard to separate in the terms of right in the terms Mm -hmm. of herbs because they right because what is fire without even just like fire what is fire without air fire can't exist without air so there's, so it's like they they really that that metaphor really I think is elegant here because they really can exist separately. Exactly. So shall um, we talk plants? Yes. Let's talk about plants. So again, like Forrest was saying, sometimes you can actually know what a plant does by the by the taste. And so that I mean obviously the first entry point here has to be bitters for these plants that are going to increase multiple aspects of these elements of yes. digestive fire. And again, so stay with us dear listeners because We are artificially separating this for the sake of understanding it. But again, these plants will oftentimes address more than one aspect of this. Yes. Okay. Ginger, not not really a bitter, but is an excellent sort of accessible example. Ginger is spicy, which we're going to talk about, right? It's also prokinetic. So like it's going to support air and movement through of movement and muscular contractions but it's also directly going to stimulate like stoke digestive fire as well yeah. so don't get hung up on trying to put one of the these herbs into these categories again remember that this is a metaphor for thinking about digestion and for thinking about the types of plants that we yeah. use to support digestion so i believe we wanted to talk we wanted to start with spicy foods right we wanted okay. to start with spicy as that entry point but i said bitter so i guess whichever one you want to talk Which to you, you jump the gun there you, you, Choice. Yeah. Well, we've already talked about gender, so let's talk okay. about spice because let's I do think spices. you're right in what you were saying. Is it's a it's an easily accessible entry point, right? So people think of like spicy food, like cayenne, yeah. and but also things like ginger and all of your car, your warming spices like cinnamon and cardamom. All of that. When we say spice, that's what we mean. We don't just mean like chili peppers. Right. And those spices mm-hmm. now, I think we take them for granted as they're at mm-hmm. the grocery store, but they were sure. coveted, tr- coveted and traded commodity mm-hmm. and. One of the reasons for that is they were the they were the goat for <laughs> treating digestive system. I mean, you look at mm-hmm. Galen and Avicenna mm-hmm. and different people in, pepper, yeah. in historical mm-hmm. medicine, and they have tons of these formulas that a lot of times are called powder to warm the stomach, and it's basically mm. a spice blend. And because that there was an intuitive sense of we we call this thing digestive fire. When the digestive fire gets cold, we need these things that when brewed into a liquid and drank, give you a warm feeling in your tummy. It's quaint, but it works. Right. And I think that's the thing about herbalism is like its accessibility 
does not preclude its usefulness, yes. right? Like, I think that's a common misconception about just herbalism in general is people that, let me explain what I mean, because let me just not use my like $12 master's level words here. Sorry, we're in, we're deep in the end of the semester of first semester of my graduate program, people. I'm so sorry. It, what I mean by that is just because something is accessible, just because something is readily available and it's sort of like not... This it's not protected knowledge. It's it's like something. It's like kind of mundane. Doesn't mean it, it's not helpful and effective. And in some cases, the most appropriate remedy because it's going to have a lower propensity for side effects. It's going to be easier for you to access. It's going to be safer. It's going to be you can use it over a long period of time. There's a lot of reasons for which that's actually a benefit. Something being like gentle but powerful. Yes, and and I think that yeah. it's also these spices are things that we pulled in for pr- food preservation. We pulled mm-hmm. in making these marinades and things that are making mm-hmm. the food more digestible before we even cook it. We like mm-hmm. have developed this relationship with spices. Yes. To the point that it's hard. Like you think, oh, that doesn't sound like a very fancy remedy. That's just spices. Right. That's what we cook with. But they are. I, mean, I think yeah. you, you mentioned ginger. And ginger is really nice because it's well studied. Ginger it has studies for increasing the blood flow into the gut it has studies for increasing gut motility so it's got that air Mm -hmm. prokinetic yeah as -hmm. a prokinetic and so we have the beginnings of research of how these things go and then we have all of the ginger beers and ginger ales and ginger breads and ginger spice ginger candies and candies of Mm -hmm. history to look like oh ginger does something for our tummies. Yes, um, yes. So I, the herbal categorization for that would be like prokinetic, carminative, which does it was, like basically means that it contains volatile oils that stimulate blood flow yeah. to the di- to the tissues that they come in contact with. So the tingly feeling on your tongue that you get when you drink something really spicy, ginger or mint or rosemary, those like the, that's volatile oils. That's like those hitting those tissues and bringing stimulation and blood flow right. to those tissues and they do the same thing when you intake them in, an, in concentrated enough quantities inside your gut yes or your digestive tract and one mm-hmm. one little yep. note i'll say is that i i really liked in if you look at a lot of spice blends in antiquity they mix a warm like potent thing like black pepper pungent or ginger, yeah pungent mm-hmm. a pungent herb mm-hmm. and then they mix it usually with a seed from the carrot family so something mm, like fennel, fennel, mm-hmm. caraway, dill, mm, dill. cumin. Interesting, um, yeah. And those were thought, especially in Ayurveda and Unani Tib, to help with that air motility side of mm, things more. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Okay, and, so those are our spices. And just for the sake of time, I think that that's one of our big entry points, right? And that's like very intuitive. So use more spices is your homework. <laughs> there you go. The second place that I would that I feel like we can't overlook here when we're talking about motility, and we'll, you'll hear this and we've got episodes on this and you will hear this forever and ever and always for us is bitters, right? The category of herbs that yeah. are bitters. And again, anything that's bitter can technically help digestion but we're also talking about these herbs that are specifically either well studied or have a long robust history of use around being used as digestive bitters and what we mean when we say that is they basically increase digestive fire 
they are going to increase the secretion. We know now, right? They increase the secretion of stomach acid. They increase the production and secretion of bile. You have, you, you told me once, I think I learned this from you, you have bitter receptors on your liver. So even after it gets out of the bitter flavor gets mm. out of your mouth, Think about coffee, right? That folks, that's like the most commonly consumed yeah. bitter really like in the Western world. So think about the bitterness of black coffee, right? Like that, there are receptors for that in your mouth. Obviously there's right. 24, 22, 24, something like that. And then there's also receptors on your liver. So it increases the secretion of stomach acid. And in your gut. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then there's some in weird places that we don't know what they do. Like oh, I believe okay. there's some in ovarian and testicular. Your kidneys or something. Like, okay. Yeah, I'm like. I don't know okay. what that's about. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think I wonder they if that's like there, to, but Yeah, I don't, I don't think that yeah, but okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe in twenty years we'll know. Well, so yeah. increasing bitters bitter and we'll give you a couple of examples in a second, but bitters increase secretion of stomach acid, production secretion. and secretion of stomach acid, production and secretion of bile, and production and secretion of your pancreatic enzymes. So and, they're and basically stoking in, and typically increase motility. Yeah, and especially particularly some of them are particularly good at one or other of those things. So again, like any bitter plant will do all of those a little bit. But it, then there are there's like a lot of nuance here with yes. yellow dock is like particularly good at, at, at the bile part of that equation. Yes. It's bitter, so it'll do the other two, but it's known for its ability right. to produce bile, which is called a cholagogue. So, and then there's ones that are more carminative or more warming. So I would think of angelica as one that not only that is both bitter and carminative, so it's going to do yeah. it's going to have multiple functions which is why i warned you dear listener try not to get caught up at pigeonholing yeah. these herbs in one of these categories because they are complete beings that sort of speak to more than one aspect of this and, and, and then the, the fascinating thing with bitters is how they how they develop this ability so like oh yeah bitter taste typically in nature po- plants are that are poisonous are more likely right. to be bitter there's exceptions yeah. but mm-hmm. A lot of that was why people. we developed bitter receptors is yes, to help us detect poison. Yes, we developed bitter receptors yeah. <laughs> to, to avoid bitter plants, mm-hmm. and most animals with bitter receptors use it for just that purpose. Mm-hmm. We, however, have the uncanny. So, so, what happens when we eat the bitter receptor is not only do we know in our mind, oh, that's bitter, maybe I should be careful with it, but also our digestive system ramps up fire. Yes. Yes. That way, if In, we on the off chance, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if we did eat in a poisonous plant, our digestive fire is a st- roaring Yule log that can b- hopefully burn up. And process yeah, that's that's like that the poison. that's like your body that's crossing right. its fingers, yeah. like. <laughs> and so, the amazing evolutionary creature that humans are, we'd figured out. You know what? There's some plants that aren't poisonous. Mm-hmm. that still that taste that. bitter and mm-hmm. they still increase my stomach acid. And so when mm-hmm. I eat that non-poisonous bitter plant, I have a bigger ability to digest all of that meat that I didn't actually evolve to eat. Like <laughs> that, that yeah. is kind of like this mat. Like, ah. Or like during feast times, like we, yeah. we have, we encountered a surplus. And so we're all trying to gorge ourselves on this surplus because we are like, there's scarcity is, was the rule, not the exception for most of human history. And so I know that certain <laughs> plants help me capacitate a temporary surplus of calories that I yes. want to take advantage of as a, as an exactly. early human. Mm-hmm. And we can do that feasting because yeah. of our little plant friends. 
Yes, exactly. We can, we can discover agriculture and our, and our, our bodies are like, we're not a cow. We not, <laughs> actually don't have a lot of digestive capacity for grains. And we're like, but I've got dandelion. <laughs> but I've got dandelion. <laughs> and, and then, bam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, bitters. I mean, again, we could talk about that all day, so I'm going to go ahead and cut us off because we <laughs> could talk about bitters all day. But that's an example. So, again, let's close with just a few examples of our favorites. And we've mentioned a few plants. But if yeah. we are talking about spices, spices plants, I would say ginger is one of my favorites. I also love dill and fennel. And I love rosemary, yeah, which is resinous and aromatic. I really am drawn to oh. those. So those are some of my favorite spices, spicy plants. But I mean, that includes everything. I mean, we're talking about wasabi. You're talking about horseradish. Like those are also pungent, you know, right. spicy foods or, or spices or spicy foods. Um, Cinnamon. Mm. Yeah. Cardamom. Cardamom. Mm. Coriander. Yep. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, actually... You bring my mind to when talking about rosemary, when talking about like our mm. leafy herby spices, mm-hmm. another little side of things, which is the nervous system. And so mm. when we think about the volatile oils as a carminative, especially like with ginger, but when we get into things like lavender and rosemary and bay leaves and basil, mm. those yeah. volatile oils, they're not only stimulating the digestive process, yes. how we already talked they about are. it, they also help to increase the parasympathetic tone of the gut so they're mm. basically helping you go into that digestive rest zone. and digest they're helping yep. your nervous mm-hmm. system get ready for digestion which is really nice. yeah so they're interfacing again they're interfacing with more than one body system and those body systems just happen to be the two what i would argue and i will die on this hill like important. the two most yeah. important body systems right and the two most like comprehensive body systems the nervous system and the digestive system yeah, yeah. which like i think the more research we find the more research the more it tells us that are they separate they're I'm are not. they like they're very deeply intertwined but yeah, absolutely. I would also, just to piggyback off that, I think that there's also a grounding, I don't think, right? There's also like a documented like grounding capacity for bitters. Like bitters yes. have this sort of like very grounding and whether that's like a vagus nerve thing or whether that's like an energetic thing, like we could argue no, that. definitely. But they have a nervous they, system a component to them they kind of like again they'll they'll bring you their their purpose so typically when we give them and when we recommend them to clients and we we're facilitating their use amongst clients where they're using them before right before meal times during meal mm-hmm. times and again it, you you everyone at this point has probably encountered this idea that rest and digest fight or flight right that's an oversimplification we could argue that that's going to be three separate episodes on its own but the idea of like parasympathetic dominant state being optimal for digestion is something I feel pretty comfortable saying of that rest and digest state you need to slow down you need to be in you need to feel safe right evolutionarily right like we couldn't we needed to feel safe enough in our surroundings in order to sit to hold still and be vulnerable because if you had a bunch of smelly food around you in like in the wilderness you had to be in a state where you could like that safety was an indicator that you could eat and you could optimally digest your food so Bitters also have that sort of bringing us back, uh, bringing us into a parasympathetic state that allows us to f- that facilitate digestion. Yeah, I would also it, say, again, Angelica is probably my favorite one. Yeah. I love her. Well, um, in, I in, do. In the spirit of, of rest and digest and nervous system, I want to say wood betony. Oh, a, okay. Okay. A, it's a bitter, but it's also 
more often we're thinking of it in the nervous system realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. I would. That's how I would think of it primarily. Yeah, yeah but no, that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, too, like Blue Vervain also has mm-hmm. that. Blue- I mean, that's what, what I learned to call a shuddering bitter, where it's, wow, mm-hmm. it's so bitter. It makes you go like yeah. that. And that is like a little movement release and a little nervous system relaxation. But again, yeah, bitterness, but also a very significant nervous system yeah. component to that, for of, sure. Back in the realm of more like rooty, traditional bitters. Strict. Gentian yep. is my Ooh, yeah. is my favorite. Gen- a, do love gentian. And that one is one that we borrow from TCM, if I'm not mistaken. No, it's it's no, it's, is it? it exists in both systems and maybe oh, it does. in Ayurveda okay. as well. So yeah, it Okay, a, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a Western herb, a Chinese herb. Okay. I don't know if it's a Great. Ayurvedic herb or not, but yeah. it could be. It could be, probably, yeah. yeah. All right. So dear listeners, before Wait. we get before this train light goes off the rails. Yes, Forrest, go ahead. <laughs> We're missing y'all. Last... He is always cr- trying to cram in one more thing. Wrangling well, this man. Well, is... we are missing the, the the third flavor. Oh, right, sour. <laughs> yes. So, mm-hmm. sour is the odd child out. I think we don't talk about mm-hmm. sour a ton in herbalism, except for the as it relates to digestion, about its energetics. Yeah. But we don't think of sours as a thing. Mm-hmm. We, we take. Obviously, all these things used to be foods, but nowadays right, we have they're a sense ubiquitous, of like, so we don't realize that they're medicine. Yes, and so now, but nowadays mm-hmm. we have this sense of okay, I'm taking ginger or I'm taking my digestive bitters, but mm-hmm. when well, people take apple cider vinegar. We take apple cider vinegar or kombucha mm-hmm. or our little sour remedies. Usually, there's other narratives about what it might or might not be yeah. doing, and mm-hmm. we don't think about just the simple act of sour being the fact a digestive. That it's sour. Mm-hmm. And I postulate that sour is probably the first flavor we developed a digestive relationship with. Mm-hmm. Because sour, we developed a sour, we, sour is a less common flavor amongst mammals. And we developed the sour flavor to tell if fruit is ripe enough, but not overly ripe. Because we want it just mm-hmm. right. And so... Sour was then branded when we started venturing into omnivore eating meats. Is Land, like, yeah. is this meat gone bad? And we don't want to eat it because mm. we don't have the stomach acid level of a lion that can handle a little bit. Right, of they can handle it off to be meat. off. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if the meat is completely fresh, we might not have the stomach acid to be able to handle that. It's that yeah. just right level of a little bit of age. That makes it more mm-hmm. digestible. Yeah, like a dry-aged steak, which yeah, is coveted. And, mm-hmm. Yes. And so then fermenting, same thing. Mm-hmm. Like you ferment it enough that it's di- more digestible, but not mm-hmm. so much that it's going to kill you. That it's you. rotten. And yeah. so we <laughs> that's, that's the story of sour. And then we, mm. we think about all of our fermented foods, our vinegars, our wines, our all of sauerkrauts, our sour beers, our yeah, kimchi, our lime and, juice yep. <laughs> and lemons and the use of that in mm-hmm. cooking, like all of that is the power of sour. And in the digestive Even chocolate system, is fermented and like the mm-hmm. a good chocolate, right? Like a good element of chocolate if you're not just eating like milk chocolate that's just loaded with sugar, but if you eat dark chocolate, there's a tanginess to it. Yes. There's a citrus quality. So yeah, to it. you have a good mm-hmm. chocolate. You've got a little bit of bitter. You got a little bit of sour. And chocolate is fermented. Mm-hmm. And, yep. And you've got a little mm-hmm. bit of it nourishing the depths of your soul, which has to be good for digestion too. But um, right. <laughs> yeah. So in the digestive system, there the sour has been used as a tonic 
historically, it just doesn't get as much limelight. We're really young and knowing how. Limelight? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It should get the limelight. I mean, lime is sour, but... Oh, I'm sorry. I was laughing at your pun that I don't think you made intentionally. <laughs> so we don't know. There's There's been postulated the idea that maybe there's actually sour receptors that exist, like bitter receptors that s- serve mm. a similar function. On the Mm -hmm. other hand, it's also been postulated that a lot of sour foods are high in histamine, which directly stimulates stomach acid and bile excretion and some of those processes. Mm -hmm. However it works, sours do seem to have a similar effect of increasing the the big three, increasing bile production, stomach acid, and then enzyme production as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, interestingly, you can see historically some inklings as to which ones work best where. Mm. So you'll see lime juice, like a lot of the really, really acidic sours, like limes and lemons and pineapples, being commonly used more culinarily and medicinally to help with fat digestion. On the other hand... All of the red, like berry, like pomegranates, barberries, cranberries, kind of like the satangy red berries, mm-hmm. were, yeah. mm-hmm. they were used in Unani and Greek medicine and in Chinese medicine specifically for protein digestion. So there's a lot of more nuance around this than we may be conscious of so that's yeah. about sours but they're fun don't don't forget them. <laughs> i mean that's probably not all you know about sours let's let's be real but that's all i'm gonna let you say about <laughs> yes. sours because that's all yeah that's all i can say today about sours we'll talk later yes but if you're interested in that dear listener be sure to drop us a comment and say forrest please tell us more about sours because we always like to hear what you guys want to hear from us so you can reply leave us a comment find us on social and let us know if there's something an aspect of this that we would like us to dive deeper into because as i am constantly reminding forrest we don't have an unlimited amount of time on the podcast and so i can't let him go as deep (laughs) into it as he would like to because this man has that i mean both of us have a pretty deep well of knowledge but his is much deeper than mine and so i'm never letting him dive all the way down to the bottom of his deep well of knowledge just because I have to keep us on track so that we don't lose you on a two-hour deep dive into something that you may or may not have time for, dear listener. But let us know what you would like to hear more about. Stay tuned for our next episode where we are going to be talking about the other two elements of this metaphor for understanding digestion. So we've talked about fire. We've talked about air. Next time we are going to be touching on water and earth and what elements of robust digestion and a healthy digestive system are metaphorically, can metaphorically be represented by those elements. All right. Thank you for listening to the Move Nourish podcast. I'm Alyssa. And I'm Forrest. And we will catch you next time.